Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hola, hola, chulas. It's Delina, or Dalina, actually. I'm practicing this, everyone. I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Your Latina Nutrition with Dalina. That's me. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation and is meant for educational purposes. We are dietitians, but we are not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're ready to eat without guilt and enjoy cultural foods, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into my one-on-one programs, group programs, and I'm also offering a self-paced course for diet culture disruptors. Apply for the program that fits your needs at yourlatinanutrition.com. Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We're back for season three with Alyssa Rumsey to talk about her new book, Unapologetic Eating. Delina, will you please introduce our guest? Yes. So Alyssa Rumsey is an amazing RD, um, which I'm sure a lot of you already know. And she just wrote a book. So we have her on here to discuss her book. And we're so excited. I pre-ordered it already. I'm I'm ready. Um, So Alyssa, tell us about your book and about yourself. Sure, sure. I'm super excited to be chatting with you both today. Um, yeah, so I am a dietitian. I often refer to myself now as a nutrition therapist because that feels a little more like, you know, the work that I do. Um, certified intuitive eating counselor and the founder of Alyssa Rumsey Nutrition and Wellness, which is a virtual private practice. Um, and we also have online group programs that we run. And yes, I just wrote a book called Unapologetic Eating, which comes out February 9th. And the book is really, really a accumulation of the work that I've done myself and also that the work I've done with my clients for the last number of years. Um, and the idea for the book really was about how food can be, how food and our relationship to food can be this really powerful entry point into exploring more about ourselves and getting to know ourselves better and our beliefs and our values and really just connecting to what's important to us and what we truly want out of life. Um, You know, I'm not sure about both of you ladies, but when I started working with clients using the intuitive eating approach, I'm thinking, okay, this is like, we're going to do like relationship with food stuff. And like very quickly realized, well, yes, we're doing that, right? They can like eat the burger or eat the ice cream and not feel guilty oh my gosh, it was so much bigger than that. And it brought up all these other things. And really just people started to see shifts in so many areas of their lives, like better relationships, more confidence at work, um, being able to set boundaries, figuring out what they did and did not want out of life. And so that's really what the book is about, is working towards moving through this process of letting go of, of dieting, sort of divesting from 
society's kind of beauty and body ideals and then getting back into your own body with food, but also about half the book has nothing really to do with food. And it's about what kind of comes after as you start working on this relationship to food piece. Oh, that's beautiful. It's beautiful because yeah, it's often something that's not spoken about a lot in the intuitive eating world. Um, I know Melissa and I have spoken about it a little bit in previous podcast episodes and just how our clients say how they have so much brain space (laughs) to do other things um, because you're not fully consumed with only thoughts about food um, and body image. So, you know, it's so amazing to hear that you wrote a book that kind of takes you from the intuitive eating journey, but then like what happens after that people, because we honestly, I don't even think I talk about that a lot. (laughs) We're so busy talking about intuitive eating, intuitive eating, intuitive eating that we kind of forget that there's this whole other amazing thing that happens when it's like a metaphor. Like, I think that's what a lot of clients are finding is they, you know, that, that experience that the plate happens, what, three, four, five, six, however many you feel like times a day. And it's an opportunity for you to relate to yourself, to relate to others. And So I love that you're kind of bringing us a little bit bigger. It's a little more meditative type of process. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think really, you know, what keeps coming back to me is like, and I see this with my clients, but I've seen this with myself as well, is like the more, you know, well, my friend Hannah says, which I quote her in the book of, you know, she said to me years ago, like, we're all going up the same mountain just via different paths. And so I really see this as, you know, the work that I've done with my clients, like this is the path up this mountain of just like getting to know yourself better, being more comfortable with yourself, trusting yourself, liberating yourself from these like external shoulds, but we're starting from the food piece. And the more that you liberate yourself from diet culture and from these food beliefs and learn to trust yourself more around food um, and trust your body to know, you know, what you need, when you need, how much you need, this trust and liberation really goes to all these other areas of your life as well. I had a client share once after listening to one of our episodes, Delina, that I, one of us had said like, spoiler alert, it's not about the food. And she spit her drink out like, yeah, no, duh, it's not about the food. Like the food is what's, you know, manifesting as a problem or it's, it's poking at me all day when I'm either restricting too much or binging, you know, that's a, a symptom of something else. So. Yes. That's literally the the title of the first chapter. It's called, it's not about the food. You're just resonating with (laughs) Oh man, we foreshadowed it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. (laughs) So so let's get to like the questions that we had for you today. Um, And the first question is, we live in a society that obviously villainizes food. So how can we begin to reframe our thinking so that we can start eating unapologetically? So, you know, so I start with this chapter in the book called It's Not About the Food, because I think that, I mean, I literally had this conversation with a client this morning. We've been working together for about a month and she shared after our last conversation, she was like, I always thought that I was alone in this and that this was like a problem with me. And she's like, now based on our conversations and the stuff you've been having me read, I realize, first of all, I'm not alone, but also this has nothing to do with me. And that's really, I think, you know, zooming out and just putting these pieces together of, you know, it's not about the food, but it's also not a problem like of you, like your problem or a problem with your body. Like it's a problem with our culture and it's a problem with our society. And so I think, you know, 
when people like can start to, and this is what I was hoping to do, like set the framework and the, the groundwork in the book of all of these different ways that um, uh, our culture impacts our relationship to food and our body. So I think, you know, reflecting on those things, which I'm happy to, to talk more about, and then also reflecting on um, and kind of acknowledging the harm that this cultural messaging has done, you know, physically, but also like mentally and emotionally. I know for a lot of my clients, it sounds similar from what the two of you are saying of just, they're so disconnected from their bodies and themselves. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm indecisive, but they're just like so disconnected that they don't know what they want food wise or otherwise. Um, and just, yeah, like just so little body trust and just really, really disconnected. So I think thinking about you know, and acknowledging, and because these are the things that when shit gets hard, which it's going to like, keep coming back to, okay, I'm unhappy in my body right now. I am not feeling good, but I know that in the past, this is what's happened when I've gone down the track of like trying to change my body or trying to fix my body and like coming back to that and coming back to the why of like, why? And that's something that's in one of the first couple of chapters is like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you trying this kind of like alternative sort of framework. Um, so I think, you know, having that kind of groundwork is so important. And then, yeah, just on a day-to-day -day basis, the more like just bringing more awareness to all these cultural messages that you're getting and like diet culture and diet mentality and like anti-fatness, like all of these messages. And, you know, it's always something I say, you know, people will say to me like, well, once you see it, like you can't unsee it. Like my clients are like, oh my gosh, diet culture is everywhere. And really, and that can be really tough to realize, but also that can be um, just such a sign that you're kind of moving forward in this, this journey. Um, and just as you start to notice it, then you can have some of that like mindfulness of instead of just reacting to it, like having a pause and then deciding, you know, connecting to your body. Okay. You know, how can I respond to this? Oh, the burden of waking up. <laughs> it's so hard when you realize, and you know, a lot of times, I mean, I've had this myself where you can feel a little bit of like shame. It taps into your like, I'm a good person. I want to be a good person. I want to be seen as a good person. I've been engaging in these things. I think for a lot of women in particular who have these sort of perfectionist tendencies, it's a hard thing to wake up and realize what was unseen to you. So how does that play into like the unapologetic part? Like how, how do you help people not get stuck in that? I should have done better now that I know I'm not doing better. You know, there's a, there's a lag time on that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that perfectionism that I think shows up in so many of us and is something that's again, bred by our culture, right? Like this, we live in this patriarchal white supremacist capitalist culture that literally is breeding people for perfectionism, especially with like capitalism, you need workers and you need output. And, you know, so that's not your fault that you're perfectionist. And that's usually something that's kind of like happened to you. Um, so I think it's, you know, in terms of kind of this process of going, this is what I walked through in the book of going from trying to like fix yourself to this place of like being able to unapologetically eat and then, you know, long run, like more unapologetically live. And I think it just keeps, you know, you keep coming back to yourself. So, and not minimizing it. This was also the same client I was talking to this morning. You know, she felt like what you just said, Melissa, of just like, well, I shouldn't, I can't believe I've done this. And like, I've spent so much time and just really like, 
shaming herself and shame never, never works. It's never helpful. It is never, um, it doesn't leave us any room to grow and shift and change. And, um, so I think just noticing when that's coming up and being like, okay, the shame, this guilt, this is not helpful. You know, now I see it, like, what can I do to, to move forward? And I think this really starts with, you know, in addition to understanding and kind of, you know, figuring out the bigger picture about how our culture has impacted you also then turning back to your body and just starting to like on a daily basis, check in with yourself, you know, from the food perspective, what sounds good to me right now? What am I hungry for? What kind of food would taste good to eat right now? What kind of taste am I in the mood for? You know, what do I want to have? And just start um, allowing those questions to, to dictate, uh, you know, what you choose to eat or when you choose to eat. And, and it takes some experimenting. A lot of people at first are like, I have no idea what sounds good to, right, to eat right now. That's totally normal. And because when you have, when you've been so disconnected from your body, it can be really, really tough to like, cause you have like no data, like you haven't been paying attention. And so I like to say every eating experience is a learning experience. So it's like, what do I want to eat right now? Hmm. I'm not sure. Let me see what I have. Okay. This kind of sounds good. And then eat and see like, was that satisfying? Did you like the taste? And just the more and more you start to check in, the more and more you'll have like, okay, Monday, I felt nothing. And then if you're checking in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, by Thursday, you're like, oh, wait, like I noticed a little bit of a difference today versus the past four days. So it's really just kind of that, yeah, coming back to yourself um, and continuing to, to check in. Yeah. And I think it also is that, you know, diet culture takes away that trust. It, it, it actually makes you think that you are wrong for wanting certain things. And that perfectionism then translates also with foods. Like we're taught that there's this perfect way of eating and that there's hierarchy in the way that we eat. And if we do not do that, then we as, as a society have like basically done something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, that's like, it's also knowing like our culture breeds that distrust on purpose. Because if we were to all, again, we live in a culture where certain people, mainly white men, like hold most of the power. And if everybody in the world or everybody in, like if we're talking about the US here, if we were all to trust ourselves and like be in our bodies, we'd be like, what? I mean, this is what we're starting to see now in the US is like, what the hell? And starting to challenge this. And the people in power, they don't want that. So, you know, it really is like diet culture is one kind of spoke on this wheel of oppression because it's really purposefully trying to keep people disconnected from their bodies because um, if people were to kind of be in their bodies and be connected to their own power and trust themselves, then those in power would probably not be in power. So your book strikes me as really helpful for a beginner and an expert or a more masterful intuitive eater at the same time, Alyssa, because sometimes when people look at the skills in a really literal fashion they get hung up on the self-help framework which is like i'm inherently wrong i can't feel my fullness or when i do i can't listen and why is that so it's a very judgmental tone it's a very problem solving type tone where yours is seems to be more of like a self-awareness type framework or you know just building off like a mindfulness type framework here yeah totally yeah i see that all the time too and um, of like people with intuitive eating specifically kind of coming into it and being like, okay, here's the 10 principles, 
it turns into, you know, what some people call like the hunger fullness diet. And like, if I'm not doing it right, then I'm bad and this is wrong. And what am I doing? Why can't I do this? And yeah, like a lot of judgment and yeah, I have an entire chapter devoted to mindfulness because, and like building awareness and not mindful eating, actually nothing to do with eating, but just of building this awareness. Because if we are not aware of the thoughts and beliefs and feelings and experiences that have happened to us that are dictating our food decisions, like in the here and now, then we can't really shift. Um, and the framework for my book, you know, the first section is called fixing and then allowing feeling and then growing. And it's really about stepping back from this very human impulse to want to fix. Um, and that's where that perfectionism can come in of like, I want to do this right. I need to fix. Um, and instead just kind of allowing yourself to be, and that's where that mindfulness piece comes in and like really building that, that self-awareness, but also awareness of these bigger systems and structures, because I think, and this is something myself that, you know, I came to this work intuitive eating was the first thing I was introduced to. Um, and then over time, what I've, you know, come to realize is just like all the pieces have kind of fallen into place for me about how this fits in with like these bigger systems and structures of oppression in our society. Um, and so, so yeah, I do think, I loved how you just said that I hadn't thought about it in that sense, but yes, it really is this kind of like stepping back, allowing yourself to be, um, you know, not trying to change or fix, but just like notice and see what happens. And I actually find that while that can be really difficult, especially for people who are used to like doing and changing and like, well, I want to fix this. It can be really uncomfortable to sit in this like weird unknown area, but like that is where like the growth and the change and the shift happens when you're not kind of like pushing yourself or trying to like force yourself to stop when you're full, which is a huge one. I feel like for people, which never works in the long run. Um, but instead just kind of like let yourself be and like connect more to your body. Um, yeah, that's really when the good stuff happens. Yes. We don't need to fix. <laughs> <laughs> Delina, yeah. she's so bad. Oh, I love me some good fix and Delina. I know. I, oh, I know that. <laughs> So delicious and juicy. I, just want it all I know that. <laughs> all right. So in your book, you discuss how dieting is a symptom of societal and cultural issues. Um, and that we use this as a coping me mechanism in order to feel like we belong. Can you tell us a little bit more about this and how it can help us start breaking the diet cycle? Sure. So, so yes. So kind of putting together some of the pieces that we spoke about. So this is really all that first chapter of how it's not about the food and how, you know, why are the reasons that we really diet and um, really starting to unpack those. And it can be different for different people, but I do think there's some underlying themes. So one of which is what I've already mentioned about dieting and diet culture coming from this place of being this like controlling oppressive force. So you know, and purposeful, right? Like this was something like diet culture. And when I say diet culture, I really mean like anti-fatness, anti-fat beliefs, fat phobia that didn't come from nowhere. Like people didn't pop out of the womb and think like, oh, fat is bad. Then it's good. Like, no, this was something that was purposefully bred in our society. And I cite uh, Sabrina Strings' book, Fearing the Black Body, because this is where I really learned a lot about this, about 
the racist, you know, colonialist roots of diet culture and how, and sexist roots of diet culture. Naomi, Naomi Wolf's book, The Beauty Myth also speaks so well to that. But yeah, these cultural beliefs around body size and what's a good body and what's not a good body. These were specifically created to keep certain groups of people down. And that was mainly BIPOC people, women and fat folks. And so it was meant to like oppress them and keep them down, keep them, you know, chasing these beauty and body ideals, othering them like, oh, these people are, are different um, and keep the white men on top. Um, and so, you know, kind of thinking about how dieting can be a, a controlling force because exactly what the two of you just said earlier, like it takes up so much time and so much brain space. And when we're focused on this, we don't have time for all these other things. We don't have time to like step into our power and like do these, these great things um, or not as much time. And that so again, this was like purposeful. Um, and, and yeah, so, you know, dieting is kind of this controlling force and then dieting is a way to belong. And you mentioned that too. And yeah, this is something humans, like it's a survival instinct of wanting to be belong and be accepted, you know, back in the day by like the tribe. Um, and back in the day, like, you know, thousands of years ago, even several hundred years ago, if you were not part of a group and if you were not accepted in a group, you literally would probably not survive, right? Because you needed the group to help, you know, food and safety and things like that. And so if you're by yourself, you would not survive. And so we have a lot of our, uh, you know, human kind of instincts have developed to want to, you know, we always want to belong and be accepted. And so if we look at this culture that places, you know, thin people, white people, cisgender, heterosexual people, like on this pedestal, um, what we're told is that to belong, to be accepted, this is what you have to be like. And, um, and so, you know, dieting for a lot of people can be a way to gain acceptance, you know, both from this like bigger societal thing, but also often like within families, um, you know, to be accepted by their family, by their loved ones, um, you know, because yeah, for people in larger bodies, like very, this is like very real, like I'm in a thin body, so I can work on my body image and like be a, you know, intuitive eating and like no one treats me any different if I am or if I'm not, but for people in larger bodies, you know, they can like have the best body image and all this stuff, but they still go outside and are treated differently by society. So I think that's, you know, really valid. Um, so, you know, I think that that's just something, again, it doesn't mean that we need to keep dieting, but it's something that I think we need to, to think about and think about how that could be um, a driving force for some people with their relationship to food and their attempts to kind of like shrink or fix their body. Um, the other thing I talk about is how dieting can be a coping mechanism. So, you know, I started to see this with, you know, several of my clients where, um, and I share a couple of their stories in this chapter about where, you know, during like certain like chaotic points in their life or certain times in their life, they would turn to dieting to like be in control, um, because everything else in their life felt out of control. And this was the thing they could control. And so, and it can be a very useful coping mechanism because like, you're like, okay, now I'm in control. Um, and then if you do lose weight, people often get like praise and accolades so it can feel better. So, you know, dieting also can show up um, or start in that way too, for some people. 
these basic needs that we all have. It dieting is a very fast, acceptable way to meet them. And I especially like your attention to the experience of folks in larger bodies, because I think in our space, sometimes the feeling is like, I don't know, like it's put upon like this idea of like, just be okay with it if you're in a larger body. And it's really hard for folks to give up the explicit pursuit of dieting and what that means in terms of belonging. Um, I just, I don't have the answer to that as our world is currently evolving. I'm hopeful, but Mm -hmm. I think there is a special layer of work for folks in larger bodies to problem solve and cope through that. Um, Mm -hmm. I appreciate your book gives attention to that experience. Yeah. And well, I think, you know, that also speaks to why, you know, we tend to situate again, when I say we, I'm like our culture, we situate the problem at like the level of the individual and we completely, you know, this is a very like white supremacist thing of like very individual, individualistic, um, and perfectionism is another white supremacy characteristic. Um, but so we situate the problem as like, oh, this is a problem with you and like, just fix your problem and then you'll be better. But, and this is why, you know, kind of, this is why uh, like diet culture and dieting and intuitive eating and health at every size, like this is why so many people that come to this, including myself, get into the social justice aspect of it because, you know, until all people, no matter what their body size, no matter what their skin color, no matter what their ability, their sexuality, and still until we're all kind of treated the same in society, then, you know, it's really, really hard to find liberation. Even if you're doing all this internal work, you still go out into this world. So, you know, I really tried to acknowledge that in my book. I actually hired, because I am someone who holds a lot of body privilege. I'm, you know, in a straight size body. I'm white, cisgender, heterosexual, um, and, you know, wealth privileged. And so I actually hired two equity consultants to, who have various other identities, um, because I wanted to make sure that this book was really inclusive and could speak to all of these things and not just because I feel like, I mean, there's some just really amazing books in, in our space, in our community, but a lot of times, especially if they're read very literally, right. It can be hard to like that nuance sometimes gets missed and people just think like exactly what you were saying before, Melissa, but then they blame themselves if they're not able to do this or if they're struggling and, you know, some of this we, we can't fix on an individual level. And that really, really freaking sucks. And this is, I always come back to um, Body Image with Brie on Instagram. Brie Campos talks about sitting in the suck. And like, you know, certainly from a practitioner perspective, but also, you know, as someone working through this on your own, like, you know, we can't fix everybody and we can't make everyone like feel great in their bodies um, because yeah, just society freaking sucks. And, but what we can, this is again, like, why I've gotten more into the social justice piece is, you know, we can start to try to make shifts on like a larger cultural level, ideally. And we can get pissed. Yeah. Yes. I think that's I a functional response. I yes. talk to clients a lot about this. Like, have you gotten angry yet? <laughs> have you gotten angry yet? Because without that step, you do tend to get stuck in that ping pong game of like, uh, society or you know there's these judgments that exist I need to change myself no it's society no it's me the anger yeah. is often a really important part of it whether you're straight size or in a larger body I think the more of us that get angry and get comfortable unapologetic about expressing mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. 
the more we can make little chips at this. And I think that's, that's a call, especially to women in straight size bodies listening to chip in yeah. and help out because yeah. this is something that we can all definitely make a difference on together, yeah. but not alone. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really appreciate that you, you hired, you know, people to, to help you with, with that part, because oftentimes on my end <laughs> of social media, I'm constantly hearing the intuitive eating seems to be a thin white woman thing. Um, it seems to be like, if I eat intuitively, I should also look like that. Um, and it's become this huge, um, I want to say movement or not movement, trend. Trend is the, the, the word that I'm looking for. And it seems very off-putting to um, people that don't look like that. And I've had conversations about this with, with other people that aren't, you know, intuitive eating dietitians, but are just in the social justice movement um, arena. And the, the idea still comes or the you know, the conversation still always goes to the privilege. Like it takes a lot of privilege to eat intuitively. Um, it takes a lot of privilege to be able to walk into a doctor's office and say, I don't want to be weighed. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of privilege to be able to stand up to a, a practitioner and say, well, why are you saying that to me? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what are the studies? And sometimes that nuance gets lost when we are doing snippets of social media posts or, mm -hmm. or you know, we're talking about it in like 15 second frames mm -hmm. um, on stories, which is why I'm like so appreciative that you've, you've brought that to light in your book. But if, if, any of you listening has not read Sabrina String's book, please <laughs> go get it. Fearing the Black Body is just, it's just so eye-opening and mind-blowingly good at mm -hmm. like how she describes just how effed up our society is and how it's not just you, it's a societal issue and that it's not as simply as pulling yourself up by the bootstrap yeah, which is oh very gosh. individualistic thinking yeah. that we have in our society totally that whole like myth of meritocracy that exists in in America um yeah you know so one of the I hired two people one of whom was Lindley Ashlane and she actually had a post on Instagram not that long ago that I've literally sent to probably every single one of my clients over the last month and so Lindley Lindley has been in the health at every size space, um, like fat liberation, fat activism for years. And she's a fat white woman. And her post said, stop saying that weight loss doesn't solve anything. And she's like, look, I'm not advocating for dieting, but when, especially it's often Delina, like what you just said, like thin providers saying like, oh, like just put weight loss on the back burner. Like just let go of your desire for weight loss. Like, no, because the reality is we do live in a society where weight loss can, you know, open up things, whether it's like you're respected more by people or like you have an easier time finding clothes or, you know, it's cheaper to buy health insurance. You know, these are all things that are completely unfair and the system should not be set up this way, but the reality is it is. So I think we have to, you know, we can hold both of these things. We can hold, okay, I am tired of, you know, trying to shrink myself and make myself smaller, both in body, but, you know, as we've talked about, this affects our life in so many other ways. Um, but also, you know, this is really hard and I'm treated differently. Like we can hold both of those things and it's certainly challenging, but, um, you know, this can be done. And I think, you know, that's why I think I say somewhere in my book about, you know, 
how when we like liberation for everybody, like when we liberate the most marginalized, so when we liberate, you know, BIPOC and fat people and trans people, then like that trickles down to ever trickles up to everybody. And so really, um, I wanted to, you know, I have a ton of body privilege, but I didn't want to center that it as in a story. Um, and so the other equity consultant I hired was Mackenzie Mack and Mackenzie, um, you know, said, I was like, actually, I posted about this recently on Instagram and I talk about this a little bit in the book of how I was really struggling to write at first because I was having a lot of fear of just like, or a lot of like, like, you know, why did I get this book opportunity? Like there's so many other people. I don't want this to just be like another, you know, book written by a thin white dietitian. And Mackenzie said to me, you know, they said, look, like the goal is not for you to disappear, you know, i.e. like don't write this book. But rather, can you think about how you can use this power that you've been given, um, like power that doesn't actually belong to you, but it's been given to you by this unjust society we live in? How can you use that power um, and like leverage it intentionally to help those who are most marginalized and most help and most harmed by our culture's anti-fat beliefs? So that was really kind of my mindset going into to writing this book was how can I do that? That's super helpful. And I would imagine a lot of people who are feeling the burdens of waking up, right? That it's it's not what we thought it was. That's a really helpful intention to carry in general. Like how, now that I know, how can I help? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So yeah, I mean, I feel like we can probably continue talking about this topic for weeks <laughs> but we're gonna leave it here so that you all go gotta get the book. buy the book exactly so Alyssa where can everyone get the book I know that the pre-orders are available now and then it becomes available February 9th yes February 9th yeah and the book is unapologetic eating and it's available basically anywhere books are sold so it's on Amazon it's on uh, bookshop.org it's on IndieBound, um, Barnes and Noble Target um, and yeah, pre-orders up until the 9th and then it launches on the 9th. And will you give everyone your Instagram handle as well? Because if you are vibing with Alyssa's worldview here, I have to say your stories are always excellent. Oh, um, Alyssa does a beautiful job bubbling up all sorts of providers and professionals in the space. She's a good person to follow if you're trying to find other accounts. Mm -hmm. I know you did a story takeover the other day. I was following, um, talking about gender expression, which I learned a lot from. So if this is something you're interested in, I just want to say in general, Alyssa, your page is awesome. So tell them the handle oh, so they can find you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. So on Instagram, it's Alyssa Rumsey RD. Uh, and then my website is also AlyssaRumsey.com. All right. They got your deets. Awesome. <laughs> well, I appreciated this conversation, Alyssa. I'm sure we'll see you around the space again soon. Thanks for being here today. Yeah. Thanks, thank you both Alyssa. so much. Thank you. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Alina, that episode, we got to it. We got in deep. We got in deep. <laughs> like, we talked about a lot of stuff. <laughs> and it's important stuff. Um, how did you feel having a chance to talk through all that, especially stuff about like cultural things for you? Yeah. I mean, like you talk about it so much. Like, what's it like for you to be able to talk about this? I, I just think it's such an important thing to talk about because again, you know, the intuitive eating world, it's still very much, you know, the same look, the same people mm -hmm. talking. And we want everybody to feel represented 
when we're talking about body respect and health at every size and just intuitive eating, like it should, it should look like what the world looks like. And so, um, I think it's super important to be talking about these topics and spreading, spreading or not spreading, but shining light mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> onto it and spreading so, too. both things are spreading. happening. Yeah. Spreading the information out there. That's right. I actually just got a message from yesterday. Someone yesterday, I don't know if I told you this, but they were mm-hmm. like, no, I hope they go, I hope this doesn't offend you, but why is everybody thin and white who's pushing intuitive eating? Like, I don't mm-hmm. understand that. I and that I'm like, that doesn't offend me all at all. Like all the time. it's something worth noting. Um, it's a good observation. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do have difficulty trusting mm-hmm. the providers because it feels like, is this really for me? Like, there's no way you're eating intuitively mm-hmm. and you look like that. And I look yeah. like this, like there's all this questioning that can come up yeah. because of diet culture. And I think it's important. And I think it's one of the main reasons you and I don't really focus on our bodies on our page. Mm-hmm. Right. right. I think we've made, we both made that, that choice, like, intellectually not intellectually but like what's the word I'm looking for design like yeah we've made it a purpose to not focus our bodies in our pages because we don't want people looking at us and saying we want to look like you right right it's beyond that we can't eat the same things and expect ourselves to look the same yes and it's very important you know that we don't conflate that message Mm -hmm. um that's important to us Mm -hmm. both of us Yeah. yeah for sure for sure so this was our first episode of the podcast. And I just want to acknowledge of the season of the season. Thank you. Don't be confusing our people. Do Does anyone else out there do that? Like mix up. Don't be confusing words? us. I mix up my words all the time. <laughs> no, girl, I mess up my language. Yeah, well, because what happens is, is my brain's moving so much faster than my mouth can actually. Oh, it happens to me words. all the time. All the time. Um, yeah, but I just want to acknowledge, you know, this pandemic's been going on and I want to say I'm really proud of us for getting this, this season out there. (laughs) Um, both of us launched courses this past month. You Mm -hmm. have your kiddos, uh, in school, not in school, question marks all the place hybrid. Um, yeah. So I'm really happy to get this out there. Me too. We did it. We did. (laughs) All right. Well, that is our little debrief on today's episode. Um, I guess we can close it out from here. Yeah, let's do it. So, so we, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I just cut you off. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Anyway, we'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you found this podcast so that we can help other women that are also looking to heal their relationship with food find our show. Or maybe you can tell a friend about our podcast. Talking to my friends is how I find new ones, new shows too. Delina, we're always trading shows to watch. Yes. Um, we would love for you to help us spread our message. And until next time, we hope to see you on Instagram, just like we found each other. Thanks for being here and for being who you are. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle. <laughs>